Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. And today I'm here with Moira. And the reason I'm introducing her by her first name, there's two reasons. Number one, I think ultimately it's about human to human connection. And uh, just that first name is what we do with friends. And two, I'm going to butcher her name and I don't want to do that. She'll hang up immediately and get off this podcast. Moira, tell us your last name and tell us who you are in 60 seconds because you are amazing. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Umar. My name is Moira Nigelher. I'm from Donegal in Ireland, and I work with entrepreneurs, teaching them how to use speaking to build a top-tier income, as well as a globe-trotting lifestyle, which I think becomes a destiny-driven business versus any old business. And I've been doing this for about seven years. And yeah, I'm on a mission to get as many people as I can, coaches especially on stages, sharing their message and story. Brilliant. And Moira's been putting a black dot everywhere she's been. If you look at the map behind her, it's all black. It's amazing. She's been globetrotting for seven years. And I've started doing that in the last uh, 16 months of just uh, letting go and just traveling. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons I did that is the ancients realized if you want to find yourself, go on a quest. Mm. So Moira, what have you discovered about yourself as you've been on your journey? What have I discovered about myself since I've been on this journey? Well, I think number one, I discovered that you don't actually need that much in terms of money to have a globe trotting lifestyle. And I think it's a myth. I think people think that the money needs to come first. For me, it's the dream that comes first. And also that there's pockets of communities of entrepreneurs like all around the world and you can just easily just like slip in and just become one of them so easy that I think it's daunting for people when they think about traveling like I won't know anybody I'll be on my own and I've never felt that Um, I've always felt like everywhere I went there was a community there waiting for me be it serendipitous or you know who knows and also that you know that for me it's Speaking is our ticket to freedom. Like your voice can be your ticket to freedom because if you have a voice, I think you can travel the world with it. Brilliant. And everyone has a message. Everyone's got a different experience. And your message is vital to some people that need to hear that message from you. Because I could say the same words and it'd be like, yeah, whatever, I don't get it. And then this other person says it and it's like, oh my God, you're talking to me. And that's a real gift. Mm. Are you familiar with this actor, Mark Wahlberg, by any chance? Of course. (laughs) Of course. And he was a rapper, a music artist before he uh, started and when he started. (laughs) And they made a TV show about it, Entourage. And I was listening to an interview with Mark Wahlberg and he was talking about, you know, when he first got started in music, he'd get a big fat check from the record company coming in and him and his homies would go buy a Lamborghini, but they didn't have the enough money to buy the insurance. He said, it was kind of crazy, but I always believed, this is him talking, that there's always enough money. Like you don't have to uh, 
fret about it. The money's going to come. And sure enough, the next big fat check would come. He'd buy a house, pay the insurance and do whatever. And I think when you're traveling, if you travel with everything's going to be okay. Uh, The only thing you need to worry about is this one little thing called your mindset. (laughs) And if you have a mindset of, you know, oh, it's much better in England. Oh, you can get this in England. Then people will chase you out of their village with spears. But if you go with an open heart, uh, people will embrace you and welcome you into their homes and be more generous than you possibly thought could happen. Mm, Absolutely. And, you know, I experience this here, even locally, like I live in a fairly small place. But if I see somebody like a traveler, let's say somebody walking, like I I think nothing of stopping my car, rolling down the window and saying, hi, are you doing? How's your trip going? You know, and many times that's and them coming to my house and having like tea and scones or me taking them somewhere so they can find a nice meal or something like that. But um, yeah, because I, I see myself in them and um, I've been to enough countries and enough cities to know how much I appreciate somebody just taking time out to say hello and how are you doing? <laughs> so my wife and I were traveling in New Zealand and she wanted to go to a tapas bar you know, to have those little small plates. And there's a guy waiting uh, by a bus stop. So we pull over, she rolls down the window and says, do you know of a tapas bar? He's hearing topless bar. (laughs) And it's not computing. But that's the joy of travel too. Those beautiful misunderstandings that lead to conversation. (laughs) That's hilarious. I actually thought that first when you said that too. I was like, topless. <laughs> well, that's rather bold and adventurous of you and your wife, Umar. Uh, yes, it was. So, we're talking about speaking. So, when you travel, you speak. So, many part questions. So, the first one is what do you speak about? Mm-hmm. So, when I started my business first, I spoke about sales and how you could inspire people to work with you versus sell them hard and working with you. And then I used that. That was my message when I spoke. So then I grew my business to multiple six figures speaking on stages with that topic. And then I switched then to showing entrepreneurs how to use speaking to grow their business. So these days you'll find me speaking about speaking, but um, not just, you know, the mechanics of speaking, but how speaking can actually feel your life. And if you combine speaking with your mission, with your dreams of travel and your lifestyle, that I believe that's you, you can build a destiny-driven business. And that's the business that you are meant to have, not just any old business like a cookie-cutter style business that everybody else has. Absolutely. So you do speaking when you travel. And do you travel because you have a speaking gig there? Or do you say, I want to go to Greece and find a speaking gig there? Well, I've done it both ways. The I've, after the pan, since the pandemic, it's more intentional in terms of like I'm hosting retreats now, so I'm finding a venue and then I'm in, I'm um, enrolling people into spending two or three days with me. But before that, if I wanted to go to New York or if I wanted to go to Amsterdam or if I wanted to go to Paris, I would look at when I would like to go, when would suit me, and then once I was clear on the date. Then I would start looking for specific events that were happening around that time. So that made Mm -hmm. my search so much more specific and so much more easier so that I would get booked to speak. And then I would build a whole vacation around the opportunity to speak. And I I call this, for me, it's called Dream Decide Reside. And um, yeah, that's how I grew my business. So what is the highest speaker fee you ever got for doing a gig? Yeah. So the most that I've ever made from speaking is 100000 but that wasn't getting paid to speak. That was making enrollments on the back of speaking. So I pay, I oh, speak, brilliant. and I make sales on the back end with speaking. 
Um, mm. When I started speaking first, I looked into getting paid to speak, but being as I had no profile and nobody knew this girl from Donegal, I couldn't really command very high amounts. But then I got to speak at a local event and I was able to close 10,000 in sales and get myself booked at a 200 person event. So I was like, okay, so that that that's one way of using speaking, but this is actually a much faster way, especially if nobody knows who you are yet. Brilliant. And the reality is... Uh... Uh, the speaking gig, you know, if you get paid $20,000 or whatever is very nice. And, but it's the back end sales that really count because that's what builds the business. Yeah. And I truly believe that there's paid stages. You just get paid and it's done. But when yep. you speak to gather leads, those have a lifetime of value for your business because somebody could hear you speak in like 2015 and want to work with you in 2018. And that's happened to me so much. Happens to me all the time. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would say that there's a lifetime of value at these types of stages as opposed to just showing up and getting paid a fee. So dear listeners and viewers, uh, one of my uh, mentors, Wolf Rinky, had said, Uma, when you speak, they will treat you like royalty. Mm-hmm. Pick you up at the airport. Then you'll have uh, fancy water. You'll have everything you need. And as soon as you get off the, tra- off the stage, they'll treat you like a hooker after a night. They won't return your phone calls. You're like chopped liver, like before you were royalty. And then after that, it's like, don't know you. And that is, and I was like, okay. And it is gospel. Like you get treated like royalty. And then uh, afterwards, it's like, uh, Umar who? (laughs) So Moira, one of the things we didn't talk about was you empower uh, women business owners or women that want to start their businesses. Mm -hmm. So how would you say women are different than men? There's many ways, but how do you see it? Like, what are the important ways when it comes to business that women differ? Wow, that's an interesting question. I would say that women differ in terms of, like, not to say that men don't care, but they have a level of care about who their people are and wanting to connect with them on an emotional level, just not on a business mm-hmm. level. And I think that it ta- I think it takes a professional to be able to do that and do that in a way that it doesn't you know cause any issues in the in a working relationship. And I think that when it comes to sales and selling, I think that women are more tuned to trusting their body and trusting how it feels. And if it feels good, do it. And if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Whereas I think the more masculine energy is just like just go for it, whether it feels good or not. And that makes perfect sense. And I agree. There's a flip side to the coin. It's less, let's say you and I are dudes, and you've pissed me off. Where you suck and you're an idiot and rah, 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 and you go rah, 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 and it's over. It's a done with situation. We're having a beer. We're working together. It's forgotten. And a lot of times with women, that kind of interaction does not happen. And women tend to hold things for a long, long time. So how do women owners kind of navigate that portion of it? I think it depends. A, do you think that's true? A, do you think that's true? And if you do, how best to navigate it? I think that absolutely happens. I also think it happens with men, though, as well, Umar, for sure, because I have a lot of men in my family, so I don't... <gasps> oh, I don't know if that's true. Okay, it's probably is true, but it happens more so with women, you would agree. Yeah, and but I also think it depends on the woman. I think it depends on how evolved she is and how much she can stand up for herself. And I've had situations where, you know, you just have to take responsibility for something and then just let it go. I've also learned the lesson that it's going to cost me more by not resolving a situation as opposed to like like being unwilling to forgive. So I think it just really depends on the women. But I think these days, 
that women are more awake than ever and they are working on themselves more than anything. So I think that that's, those situations are more few or far between and there's going to be a bigger person in the relationship who's going to be able to turn that around fast so that neither people are dragged through energy or you know ridiculous vibes and feelings that can go on for years or generations. <laughs> yeah. So here's something that really interests me is uh, we are the results of our mothers and our fathers to a large part define who we are. And women are just as capable and more capable in certain areas than men. But in our society, women get treated uh, a little bit lower than men for the most part, depending where you are in the world and almost every place. You can tell by the salaries of how much we pay women versus men for the same job. So how do we break that cycle? Because our moms you know, raise our daughters as well. And although they might be saying things, the systemic kind of issues are there. So how do we break out of that? We're getting closer, but we're not there yet. Any thoughts on how we can empower our daughters and our sons to see that dynamic differently? Mm. I mean, this is, it's a lifetime of work is the first thing that I would say to that. But I think at a core level that we have to value ourselves more. And, you know, we have to deal with what comes up with, you know, like being afraid to earn more than your parents. Like, you know, there's in cases for me that I've made more in a day than my parents would have made in a year. And, you know, I I don't take that as any, you know, like I really do take that in and I have to be in gratitude towards that because if I'm not, then it could, it could lead to shame. It could be as if I'm doing something wrong. So I really need to sit with those things and, you know, really be in gratitude towards it. Same with members of my family. Like, you know, some of them look at, you know, what I'm doing on social media and they're like, you made what and what, and what is it that you do? You know, cause you know, it's, as you know, being an entrepreneur, it's a whole other ball game to being employed. But I think it's how we deal with that and how we how we feel about it. But I think it all starts with how much we value ourselves and understanding that, you know, we we live in a we live in a completely different world now. And as entrepreneurs, we set the price for our craft, for our for our value, for our experience to people. Not not it's not really the marketplace anymore. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know. Let's kind of deconstruct that a little bit. What would be three ways you would recommend people to value themselves more? Because a lot of people have self-worth issues and a lot of successful people have self-worth issues. Uh, So what would be three ways you'd recommend people to uh, improve their uh, self-image and self-worth? I think the first thing to do would be if if you have any clients at all, look at the results that you've been able to help that client achieve and then base your pricing or base your value on the value of that result. And for many coaches mm-hmm. and consultants, they're they're providing a lifetime of value in terms of transformation. So instead of basing it on time, base, it, base your pricing on the transformation that you've been able to help that client achieve. And if you stay in that arena and you focus on that, it's going to be much easier for you to see how you can raise your prices and stand by those as well. I think the second thing I would do, and I do this for my clients as well, is that, you know, that our experience and our education didn't come at no cost, right? For every hour you've worked, every course that you've taken, like actually accumulate that, find out what you've invested in yourself. And for many people, Every hour that you've worked, every education course you've ever you've ever paid for, every mentorship you've ever done, we're all worth millions in some way. So you need to know that. And that's really knowing your numbers. 
So those are two things that I would do. And the third thing would, would be just to decide, are you going to be somebody who's the cheapest in the marketplace or do you want to be somebody who's the most expensive? I know that any item I ever buy, if it's a handbag or a pair of shoes and there's a cheap pair and there's an expensive pair, I know which one is the best. So allow yourself to be to choose which you want to be. Do you want to be the cheapest or do you want to be the most expensive and be known as the best? Brilliant. And I think that's, uh, especially that part, you know, what do you want to be valued at? Because uh, in the middle is, is death, where you're just a commodity. So the only way to distinguish is to ha- be very unique and add a ton of value, be priced right, or you can be the cheapest. And if you're priced right, then you have to strive towards that. So all the things that you said, uh, valuing, you know, how much uh, your life is worth and what you've accomplished on the way to get here. Number two, what's the value you provide? And then three, how do I get better? Because I suspect, and this is only because I'm clairvoyant and I can read minds, Moira, I suspect you're always learning. <gasps> Did I get that right? And that's something people leaders you do. Me, is, you got me. <laughs> I know. I'm going to tell you the lot of numbers next. Uh, make sure you write those down. And that's a mark of people that are exceptional in their field is they're always learning. As soon as I hear from someone, you know, I know how to do that. And I've stopped learning. It's like uh, not someone we want to hang out with mm. too often. Mm. Totally. You know what turns me on other than you know, incredibly attractive women is when you have two smart people um, with somebody else smart and we're like, uh, you're trying to do something. You say, Umar, I'm thinking of doing this. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, you could do it this way better. And you go, no, no, this way better. And that collaboration without uh, ego to just create something amazing is uh, one of the uh, blessings of life, really. Mm, totally. There's no, there's, there's no other more exciting conversation than digging into having an idea and somebody else being just as excited about it. I mean, like that's yeah, yeah. And what's extra special is when somebody comes out with a totally ridiculously stupid idea in that conversation, and it's like, uh, well, maybe. And then you go forward, and then all of a sudden, that idea connects with another idea, and you get this killer world-changing idea so one of those things is to just be free and just see what transpires and i think really coming at things like for this interview uh, my agenda was to learn about you and see what interesting things we could come up with that would be value of value to other people listening and so if somebody is starting out to do one of these uh journeys like I want to, it may not be traveling for them, but really building a business where you feed your soul and you also get to make uh, a really great living. What would be the initial questions people should ask themselves to kind of figure out what that is for them? Mm, I mean, I think the first thing to ask yourself is why you're doing it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, literally, why do you want to do this? And I think your why cannot be a problem. So it can't be to solve a problem. It needs to be to do with something that's going to fuel your life or somebody else's life because that's Mm -hmm. what's going to drive you and make you excited about what you're doing. Um, So that would be the first thing to do. And then, I mean, my go-to thing after I decide why is who who can help me get there, who can help me make this um, collapse time and maybe get an opportunity that I wouldn't have got had I not known this person. So I would start with why and then who. And the who part is really important because I want you to know right now, dear listeners, is there somebody out there right now dying to help you? It truly is. And no one is asking. It's like, you know, if you ask someone, you know, uh, I'm going on this journey, 
let me tell you a story. I first started down this path of helping people uh, in 2003, and there was an intuitive. Her name is Penny Pierce, and she was coming down to one of our centers to teach uh, how to be intuitive. And she's written three or four books on the subject, totally brilliant. And uh, I was just commiserating with her saying, you know, I'm not sure what's going on. I've been really, really good at business. And all of a sudden, uh, nothing seems to work. She goes, oh, Umar, because now you're not doing business stuff. You're doing more spiritual stuff. You're helping people kind of accelerate on their paths. You can't do that business stuff. What I want you to do is when you meet someone that you're uh, that you like, ask them to, uh, you know, figure out what they do, tell them what you do and ask them, would you like to help me on my journey? And I'm thinking, what are you, a hippie? And so three months of struggle. And then I happened to be at uh, my health club, uh, finishing a workout. There's another guy there with chit-chatting. Uh, I invite him for a coffee. And in the coffee, he tells me what he does. I tell him what I do. And then I ask him, Barry, would you like to help me on my journey? And he thinks about it for a minute, which is a really long time when someone's silent. And he goes, <laughs> sure. And then he introduced me to an organization called Leadership Maryland, where they have, you know, 1,100 of the uh, biggest leaders in the state of Maryland and connected me with them. And that started my career off proper. And so don't be shy and don't deprive someone of helping you because people want to help. Mm, that's so good. I could say, I could speak all day about asking. And I had a, a situation actually, Umar, when I was in New York in 2018, I was speaking mm -hmm. at an event with uh, Les Brown. I was so beyond excited that I kind of, like I was a bit all over the place on the day. And it turned out before, about an hour before I was due to get on stage, I realized I'd forgotten my shoes. And I was just like, oh my gosh. So I ran out, <laughs> called an Uber, and I'm waiting curbside for this Uber to show up and it's outside the Sheraton. Me expecting a fancy car. And next thing, this beat up Honda pulls up with the registration. I was just like, that's my Uber. Are you serious? I was like, I don't have time. But I'm not joking. There was The only thing that was missing was a tin can coming off the back of this car. I was just like, how does this guy get to run a business in New York City? But anyway, so we're in the car and he's chatting away so friendly. I get to the destination. I go to get out of the car. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Bye. And he goes, oh, excuse me, man. He goes, can you give me a five-star rating? And I was like, what? He goes, can you give me a five-star rating? I was like, why? And he goes, well, I want to boost my score. Did I not take you where you wanted to go? I was like, yeah, you did. So I get out of the car and I gave this beat out Honda a five-star rating. And he's driving around in a 5.5 average and a beat out car. Right? And obviously, he's going around asking everybody for what he needs to keep his business yes. going. And he's literally closing sales every five minutes asking people for this five-star rating. But yeah, I totally agree. And I think that most of the time we don't ask because obviously it's the fear of rejection, but the bigger risk is... Yeah, or they're too busy or I'll, I'll look like I'm needy and I'm uh, trying to be greedy. And the answer is no. Mm. Uh, ask and you shall receive mm -hmm. is uh, written for a reason. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to... So here's my biggest wish for people. And before I tell you that, uh, I'm going to uh, uh, just make a comment and ask you a couple of questions. As we were talking, I'm not sure why the 9-11 uh, uh, came up where the planes crashed into uh, the towers. Mm -hmm. And some of the voicemails that were left on people that actually knew uh, that, you know, things were going to end badly. None of them was look after my Tesla. None of them was like, uh, look at my portfolio. All of it was about loving and relationship and how much you mean to me. 
mm-hmm. at the end of the day, uh, that's what I want for you, dear listener and viewer, is to fall in love with yourself. And mm-hmm. the stronger you have that connection there, the stronger you are to love and support the people around you. So when some guy in a beat up old beater comes up and asks you for a five-star rating, you kind of honor that to say, you know, that guy's got chutzpah. Sure, the ride wasn't the greatest, but uh, he was friendly and chatty and got me where I wanted to go. And I love that he framed it that way. Did I not get you to where you wanted to go? And it's like, damn, you did. (laughs) So Moira, here are the two for you. Number one, what makes you happy? What brings joy into your life? Mm. What brings joy into my life? I think that um, it, it changes. It's evolving as I get older, especially as I get deeper into this journey of entrepreneurship. But I would say the thing that gives me joy every day is that I'm showing up believing in what I'm doing. And as a result of me believing in what I'm doing, the ripple effect that that's having among those around me, like between friends wanting to kind of upgrade their lives or consider starting businesses, at family members being able to treat people and do things I didn't used to normally be able to do, like all those things, that really brings me joy these days. And see, especially, yeah, especially when, you know, they're, they're, they're not even big things, but a lot of this is time that I have time to give to people. And, you know, a couple of years ago, Imar, in the middle of the pandemic, well, just at the pandemic was beginning, I have a great auntie. She's 100 years old. She's one of the oldest wow. nuns in Ireland. And it was her 100th birthday. And she 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 lives in a convent. This was like her, her brother's home that I'm in. She yes. lives in a convent, which is five, six hours drive away from here. And uh, she was asked, what do you want for your 100th birthday? And she says, I want to go home to Donegal, which is where we live. And I want to see people there. So to take somebody who's 100 years old all the way here. But I was the only person who was able to step away from my business, step away from my life and actually spend two, three weeks planning this huge, big um, celebration for my auntie. And for me, that was like, that brings me joy that I was in the position that I could say, yeah, I can do it. I've got it. And I was able to make that a really special, unforgettable experience for her. That brings me joy. And I think that I have freedom in my business that allows me to do that. So Moira, we, you must send us a picture of her at one of those outings and we'll put it in the show notes. And when we put it on Facebook, we'll add that in there too, because uh, that would be just a uh, joyous What's one mind hack you'd like to share with our viewers and listeners that would allow them to be sexier, happier, more efficient? Okay, so um, well, something I do if I if, if I if I have a goal and I start to feel like a little bit, you know, the usual, you're not good enough. This isn't going to work. Who the hell do you think you are? Then I'm like, okay, I listen to those things and I grab a pen and paper and then I write down all the res- all the possible positive outcomes that would come if I tried to do that or if I go for my goal. And nice. the, feeling, the feeling, the feeling that I get from doing that gives me the energy, the courage, the know-how to go ahead and do what I want to do. And that is like something that one of my mentors calls as a 10-minute miracle. Her name is Alison Bird. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to write that down. Uh, Actually, my sister's having a tough day today. She's got an important meeting with her boss, and this would really help her out a lot. So thank you for doing that. And Moira, before we part company, your podcast is going to release in, uh, you know, sometime next month. But we are going to release this on Facebook probably today with the dates of your upcoming event and a link to it. 
So hopefully that'll get you a couple extra signups for that because you are brilliant. And uh, we're so happy you came on the show today. And by we, it's me and there's a bunch of staff behind me that make this possible. Thanks so much for being on the show. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure, Emma. It's been great having this conversation with you today. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 